Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. Today's show is going to be a real treat because I have somebody who's been a radio show host for over a decade. In fact, she hands out advice to listeners as well as making, well, complicated financial news really easy to understand. And for me, I like that, and I know that you will too. In fact, her show is called Money Strategies with Debbie. Maybe you have heard it. I hope you have, and if not, after the show, I hope you will. She also speaks frequently with university students in business classes about money and finances, well, for their soon-to-be small businesses. In fact, we hope that many people are starting to make small businesses because, well, that helps really our economy, right? And yeah. she's a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, and she has been helping clients for over 20 years with investments, mortgages, insurance needs, and a lot of other, a lot of other financial things. In fact, She's the CEO of DLB Financial, and with a warm welcome, I would like to have her here with us now. Welcome, Debbie Floyd. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am fantastic, and really, this is such a treat because it is so refreshing to have someone with your knowledge and experience on the show to help the audience become more equipped with their finances. How did you get started doing this? Well, you know, my mom and dad divorced when I was in high school and I was left with my mom and my dad moved on to other families and other things. And so I had to help her. She really didn't understand how to do much. I didn't either, but it was a quick study. And I had to help her learn to strategize with her money, how to pay bills, how to invest money, what were CDs, what's the rate of return, how much money do you need? And so it, I think my needing to help started back then and I've been helping families ever since with their finances. This is really neat because your passion went not only from one-on-one -on -one working with clients, but you've taken it to the education in an institution setting as well as over the airwaves so that everyone can benefit from your knowledge and not often do people do that kind of Oftentimes we hold certain secrets to ourselves because we want to, you know, I don't know, kind of grow wealth on our own. But right. when we do well, that. Everybody has a different way of doing it. And yes. the problem is there's a lot of information out on the internet. I mean, there's no lack of information on how to do it. Just like there's no lack of information on how to lose weight and get in shape. But it's different for everybody. We all have our lenses our own way. So we see the world a certain way. And how you see money and how you react to money has everything to do with how you were raised with money. So if you were raised with a lot of money, you know how to maneuver it. You might have heard people talk about it a lot. But for most people, that's the last thing that they want to talk about is money. They don't want to talk about, you know, sharing rent and paying bills as teenagers in college. They certainly don't want to do it as they get married. And that's when it becomes very formed in someone's mind of like, what is money? Is money something to be spent freely and donated and, and, and cherished? Or is it something that you hoard and you hang on to and you don't let anybody close to because you're afraid that you'll lose it? Either of those two things are wrong. 
Interesting. That is very fascinating to think about. And we're in a position right now because I have heard that we are sort of on the brink of a certain economic position and it isn't favorable. Right. I mean, we've had 10 years of great, great um, increase and people in their 30s uh, were in their 20s. The last time something bad happened with the economy, they don't remember that. So uh, it's new for a lot of people. They, they, the sky is falling. So if you look back in the magazines with Time magazine and headlines over the last 50 years, the sky is always falling, whether it's war, the presidents, Democrats in the House, Republicans in the House, whoever is making whatever rules, everything is falling. That's not really the reality. The reality is it is for whatever it is for your family and how you've set up your life. So times can be really good, but if you've lost your job or you're not well-trained or you've had to liquidate your 401k for a death or an illness, Things aren't okay, even if the economy says it's great. So it's very localized. It's very about your family. I really like that you've said that because if you listen to or you look at other people, you'll hear them say, I wasn't affected by. And so that right. equates to, I have managed my money well. Right. Or I was in, I was scared before that happened. So I put my money in safe things. Safe things didn't take a dive. Therefore, I'm fine. Well, then you listen to other people that are risk takers and they, they gambled and they're fine because they knew how to gamble. And then you've got the people that thought they were safe, but they were really gambling. And they're the ones that are all messed up because they didn't know how, like some people, they didn't understand real estate comes and goes. It ebbs and flows all across the country. Well, you got to buy it a certain way, hold it a certain time. There are, there, are, um, there are things that happen in the economy that tells you when to get out, when to sell, when to leverage more money. Um, now, I'm personally leveraging my money. Rates are at an all-time low. So everybody goes, well, why would you leverage it now? Um, times are good. That's when you do it. You don't do it when times are bad. So I think we need to kind of have an education from an outside third party, not with our family, not with someone. You don't go to someone that doesn't have money to help you regulate how to make money. You that only go to people that make money to help you make money. Yes. That, people can't make money. That they makes already yeah. Perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. I mean, and you said two things that that I picked up and then really further solidified it when you said they didn't know and understand and then later solidified it with education even further with that you need to go to somebody that's a third party outside of your family that right. is an expert in money and right. that is exactly what you do and you do all of those things you educate people and you're an expert in financial growth yeah, this you is have to know, you do have to know how to pick the person to help you so do you, you know, if you're in a marriage and the marriage isn't good, do you go to all your other friends that have been divorced with not good marriages? Or do you go to someone that has a good marriage and say, help me be better? So it's like a financial advisor. Um, if you don't look uh, your financial people up and do some investigating on who they are, what companies they're with, why, how do they get paid? Um, if you're with a big box um, financial planning company, you get paid to sell products. That's mm -hmm. how you earn your living. So you're going to push certain things that the companies want you to push. If you're with an independent company, as an independent person, I do whatever it is you need done. I don't care if you don't need insurance, you don't get insurance. If you don't need term policy, you, you don't get that. If you need long-term care, you get that. 
I'm not paid to push certain things. You've got to look at what the lens is they're projecting to you for. Um, uh, do they get paid based on money under management or products sold? And a lot of people don't even understand that. So you're not even looking at the right people to help you sometimes. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of sense. And I can totally relate to that because I have been, you know, referred to somebody who was just getting into certain businesses and they said, okay, go see so-and-so because, you know, they are getting into this. You can help them and it's going to help you. And when I got there, there were needs that were being pushed on their part that were not sure. my needs. Well, they, they, yeah. they need to make money however they make money. So with me, you know, I, I do mortgages, I, I do investments, I do life and health insurance. It, de it depends on what people need. I'm not um, captive to just one type of thing. So when the market changes in mortgages and people um, want to, the rates are really low right now. I, I push people to refinance if that's what's best for them. If they mm -hmm. need to pay off high income um, bills, uh, personal debt that they have to other people or credit card debt, I help them restructure their finances based on what the market is today or what they're projecting their life's going to be. If they're going to retire in a few years, now is not the time to rack up a bunch of credit card debt and buy a bigger house. You know, this is the time that we need to reevaluate and make that money stretch. Depends on what their health is. Uh, for me, I have two kids in college and I'm paying for their college. That's a lot of money for a it single is. mom to pay for. So what I have to do is take the money that I have and figure out a way to make it stretch so I'm not using all of my retirement for them. and There'll be nothing left for me. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. So mm -hmm. I've taken some money out of the market and I've started um, buying and selling real estate so that I can flip some properties. So I kind of have that going over on this side where I've got my investments over here because the market will take a dip in the next couple of years. And it could be a long dip depending on who gets into office. So okay. if, if we're not going to make our money in the market, do you just want to lose money? No, you want to take it out of that and put it into something that's going to make money. So, so you, the strategy needs to change all the time. When you were talking about leveraging your money, were you talking about that in the terms of the real estate by using somebody else's money to capitalize on that and further yours? Sure. I mean, interest rates are at an all time low. So I'm going to buy, I have, I'm renovating two houses now and we'll be selling them and then using that money to buy more things to renovate and sell. So I have that churning over there because money's cheap right now. Why not use it? Don't say, oh, I don't need another mortgage. Why don't we figure out how to make that cheap money work for you? You know, that makes a lot of sense. Now, in terms of mortgages, so I, from what I have heard, you mentioned two. So that means you can have multiple in terms of doing that. I want to talk to, that's a regular mortgage. What right. about reverse mortgages. What does that mean? And does it really have the negative connotation that most of us sort of imagine that it does? You know, it got a bad rap when it first started. I've been doing reverse mortgages for 12 years. And before reverses actually hit the market, they were a private company mortgage. And then Fannie Mae took them over and Freddie Mac. So now they're FHA mortgages. So they're regulated. It's a whole okay. different animal. Um, but reverses are made for people 62 and above to take some of the equity out of their primary house and use it for other things while staying in their house until they die or until they want to sell it. 
what it does, it just takes the money that's sitting there. If you, if you or I owned a house outright now, and we were sitting on, say, a $400,000 house, that money is not making us any money. It's just sitting there. And, you know, our house, we have to pay taxes on it and insurance, and we hope it's appreciating in neighborhoods, the value's going up. What a reverse does is based on your age, it allows you to take money out of that house and never pay it back. So now that's money that's out that you can put to work for you. So I've had people buy investment properties, fourplexes, duplexes, apartments, start a business, do other things with that money that would have just been sitting in their house. You can still have the $400,000 house. You're only paying 185 for it. And so, then the rest of that money, you get to use any way you want. You can invest it, buy long-term care, insurance, start a job, take grandkids to Florida, whatever you want to do. But it allows you to move your money around differently. That's all. Now, could somebody pay that back? They can if they want, but there's no reason to. So as you age, there comes a point in everybody's financial life, like right now, I'm making it so that I can spend it on my kids' college. After they're out of college, now, what am I going to spend it on? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a house. I'm going to have a car. I'm going to have money to go on vacations. Um, I have long-term care already. I have term insurance. So when I die, they get some. What else do I need? Well, you might want to invest it. You might want to leave it to other people, charities, nonprofits, whatever. Or you just might want to have a huge cushion. The problem is, and this is where your part of women talking comes in, women are not the first to pass away in a marriage. The men are. The right. men get sick, the men have heart attacks, strokes. A lot of the people are not insured properly and takes a lot of their cash out of IRAs, 401ks, retirement plans, Social Security. All that money comes out to pay for the guy. The guy dies and there's a lot of expenses with that. So typically the woman is the one that's left She's left with a house that usually has a mortgage on it because she's had to cash out, quote, cash out of the house to pay some of the medical bills off. So now she's in a leveraged house living on Social Security. That's all she's got. Well, right. that's a really bad place to leave her. So we need to get cash flow in. So what a reverse mortgage does, it actually gives us more ways to get cash flow. Like I said, I've had people buy rental properties, and then if that property is paid off or, or leveraged with a loan, they still get the positive rent coming through. At some point, you quit needing to have money stored up in the bank, and you need to start paying medical bills, long-term care bills, insurance. Um, the first few years of retirement, everybody's going and fun, and things are great, and then something unforeseen happens, but it's really not unforeseen. The numbers speak for itself. There's a health problem, cancer, heart attack, stroke. All these things happen as we age and people act like, oh my God, this is the first they've ever heard of cancer or a heart attack sure. or a stroke. They just don't think it'll happen to them. And then, so what I see is the aftermath. I see the families coming in saying, right now we're healthy. We've got all these investments and we don't need your help until someone passes away until someone has a heart attack and then they can't work. And then they're going through all the liquid assets they have, they run out. So we have to protect that while we're healthy. So who gets the house if they pass away then? So the house is put up for sale, just like you or I would sell a house and the loan is paid off. The, the blessing, the big benefit of the reverse is if you or I sold a house, say um, our house is worth 300,000 and we pass away and the loan has grown on a reverse. It goes backwards. So it gets bigger. 
Okay. And your, your loan gets bigger, your value may stay here. So what if you owe 350 on your house and you haven't really kept it up, you're in your 70s, you know, you didn't do the maintenance on it, it's really only worth 250. Well, that spread right there, you okay. or I would have to pay that out of our IRAs or our death benefit of our insurance. Our estate would have to pay that money. Okay. With the reverse, the spread is paid for by FHA. Every month we pay FHA mortgage insurance. That's what mortgage insurance covers. So rather than ah, the okay. paying for it, now you've got FHA paying for that spread. So your estate still gets your life insurance, all the other things. You put it up for sale like a like you do a regular house. Put a sign in the in the yard. Get a real estate agent. They market it. You go to closing. Whatever the house doesn't pay for, FHA pays for. So the house actually is responsible for the house note, not the people. Okay. And how does this compare to, and can you still get a second mortgage? You can always get a second mortgage, but once you do a reverse mortgage, that's the one of record that gets paid first. In some okay. states, you can get a second lien or a home equity on top of it, but those are rare. Usually when you take out a reverse mortgage, that's the only one you get. Now, if you or I wanted to you know, have a regular mortgage and then get a home equity loan, those are still available, but that's they're not really home equity loans anymore. They're for a pool. They're for something tangible. Okay. Those are okay. really hard to get. Banks don't like loaning above 80% loan to value on a property. So they want you to keep 20% equity in. Most people, when you go back to the well over and over, you broach that 80% part, you're not going to get more money than that. Every state's a little different. Texas is where I'm at. We make sure you try not to lose your home by keeping 20% equity in the house itself. So they never let you go over that. Now, Arizona, um, I've heard they can take mortgages out to 105%. So wow. they go above what it's worth because it's always increasing super fast. Interesting. That, that is really very fascinating. So it pays to really stay on top of understanding what's going on within your own state, as well as uh, everything about finances. Now, do your services provide, besides what you do when you go and you assist at the institutions, sure. do you have educational classes at um, through DLB Financial, or do you provide specific services, or both? I do both. So I am starting to do what you had suggested by having little classes. I do a podcast. I have a blog. Um, I'm start putting all those together so that people can say, I want to know about an FHA loan. They can go to my YouTube channel and watch me talk about FHA loans. But the thing is, those change rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, the government can come out and change the guidelines at any time, and they do every year. So I really have to stay up on those. Um, each of your topics that you talk about can be monetized. So I do mortgages. I have a practice. I've got, I just took them down these little little orange notes are my clients. And um, so I've got seven or eight closings going on right now of loans that I'm working on to close. So I'm still a mortgage loan officer. I still do long-term care. But when I talk to people, sometimes they just come in and they go, I've got all this stuff. Like my friend sold life insurance. So I have this policy from eight years ago. I don't really know. Um, I have this as a mortgage. Don't really know. I have, I think I have some stuff through work, don't really know. So what we try to do is just lay it all out and figure out what do you really have and what do you need? 
I don't have um, term life insurance anymore. Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? You would say, well, of course, everybody has to have life insurance. No, no, you don't. It's just me. And so my kids are the beneficiary of my long-term care policy. I have a hybrid policy, which pays long-term care. And if I never, if I say, if I drop dead with a heart attack, just like that, right? Long-term care doesn't kick in because there's no long-term care. It turns into a life insurance policy. They get paid. And so there are policies out there that can do both. You don't need to be insurance poor as you age. You also don't need to keep a 30 year term policy once your biggest assets are covered. So you could use that monthly money to do something else. Life insurance is not always the answer. Depends on, you know, how old you are, what your health is like, and can you get anything else? Or do you even need it? If I pass away today, it's just me and my kids. So my kids instantly have everything. There's no reason for more life insurance. They get the houses that I'm building. They get all the money in my bank accounts. That's plenty for them. They're teenagers. They don't, I don't need to leave them a million dollars each, right? I need to give them a start or at least finish out their college. They got enough money for that. So I don't need any more for that. My goal is not to set them up with so much money that they never have to work. That's not my goal. Right. So we have to look at what's the family goals. And if you have multiple kids, you can't set every kid up like that. And for half of the people that I work with, their kids are better off in their 30s than they are in their 60s. So they don't even consider leaving money to kids anymore. So it's very family specific. You know, that's really important to think about, though, too, because oftentimes they're are those that feel like there's just this blanket of things that have to be done. And really it is very individualistic on what our needs are and not everything is just a cookie cutter situation. No, most families have a house. They have 401ks of some kind or a pension. Pensions are going by the wayside. Not everybody's going to have pensions anymore. So you have to save up your own little nest egg. So most people come to me and they have a Roth IRA or an IRA. They don't even know what it's invested in. They know somebody sold it to them at some point and they throw money in it every month. They can't tell me if it's growing. They don't know what it's invested in. And so we got to break it down. So if somebody comes to you and says, you know, 20 years ago, I signed up for some insurance policy and I don't have the paperwork anymore. How how do I find, is there a central way to locate this no no but we find out like who they've been paying and there's only you know we can we can go back and see like who was your agent who did they write for most of them know an agent's name or they have a policy that could be yellow that's been in a file cabinet somewhere we pull that out and see if there's any value on it i had one guy come in he was turning 80 so he was about two weeks away from 80 you know his term policy that he bought forever ago He was going to be done when he was 80. So he comes to me two weeks before his policy expires and goes, how do I make this into some money? Like, you know, the only way to do that is die in the next two weeks. If you don't don't plan on dying in the next two weeks, you have outlived that policy. And he goes, well, then I paid $100,000 over the last 30 years for nothing. And I said, no, sir, you were covered and your family would have been the beneficiary if you passed away, but you've outlived your insurance. Now he didn't have to let it go that long. He could have morphed it into something else in his sixties, 
but at 79 and a half, you're too old to get any type of insurance. So he should have been more acutely aware of what he was doing in his 60s. When you're in your 60s, you can still get all this stuff. When you hit 70, a lot of things stop being available to you. Well, that makes sense. It, yeah. Because people don't want to take the risk. I mean, insurance right. companies don't want to take the risk. And, and, they and know. For the premiums. Yeah, they're yeah. too expensive. So I have another question before I let you go. And that is this. Bonds. Are bonds something that are going to make us any money? Depends. Okay. So <laughs> I mean, with the, the way the economy works, some people go, okay, I go and I got a bond, I get a bond and then I have to wait so long. And then I go back to the bank and, <laughs> on so, in, and I get two right. bonds. Yeah, <laughs> I know. No, no, no. So my dad bought bonds for my kids when they were born. That was 20 years ago. They were still only worth, and he got like six bonds or something for each kid. They were still only worth like 250 bucks. So yes. like, what? No, but people think about buying bonds. So you can kind of see my hands on the screen. As interest rates go up, bonds go down. Okay. Right now, interest rates are down. So bonds are kind of up. Okay. But as soon as rates come up, the little seesaw is going to go the other way. Bonds are safe until they start going down because of inflation. You're, it's like a CD. What, if your money's in the bank at a CD right now, you're making maybe 1%. One and a half on the internet. Okay, when my mom lived off a of CD, she had money invested in CDs. They were paying 8%. She could live Eight? on that. 8% wow. back in the early 80s. So she had $100,000 at a CD, making 8%. So every month she made $800. She made $800 and she had four of those. So that was her income. She didn't have Social Security and all that other stuff. So that was her income. But as the rates went down on CDs, so did her income. And then she had to start eating into the principal. So we have to look at how old are you? How old were your parents when they passed away? We're all living longer than ever. Everybody goes, how much money do I need in retirement? More than you think you do. Yes. And you can never have enough. I mean, if you have $5 million, what I find is typically people live up to what they earn. So if you okay. get a raise, you're making 40, then you make 60, you buy a nicer house, you buy a better car, you make $100,000, you buy a better house and a better car. You're not saving all that money. You're just buying prettier, nicer things, it's which true. there's nothing wrong with. But there has to be a point where you say, okay, enough's enough. And I'm going to hold what I have and keep investing. If not, you're, you're going to run out of money before you retire. That, that is totally true. And I can see it as you're saying it. I am. This is very fascinating, and I know that the audience is going to definitely want to connect with you and learn a little bit more and find out what is really tailor-specific to them, and I know that you're going to be able to provide that information. How can they get in touch with you, connect with you, and learn a whole lot more? Yeah, I, so every uh, cell phone, cell phone uh, every day is right beside me, 979-220-3018. They can go to my website and they can connect their money strategies with Debbie.com. And I've, I've got email so they can call you too. And you know how to get a hold of me. I love it. I absolutely love it. Any, any little kind of few things that you want to, a couple few words that you want to share before I let you go? Yes. Do not put off having this talk with your parents before it's too late. 
most people that are that are my age in their 50s and 60s don't like to have those discussions until their parents pass away and that's too late the mess has already been made we need to clean it up before it gets there and help them you don't want them calling you when they're 80 and saying i'm out of money my house is in bankruptcy or foreclosure help me that's yes. too so you got to have those conversations and and detach your feelings of emotion with money there it's just a form of currency but you have to put it to work for you and everybody will be different so just because crazy uncle larry buys you know cryptocurrency does not mean that that fits into everybody's little bowl so don't think because someone does it you have to do it you have to do what's best for you and if you're super conservative stay with that just be consistent consistency is what always wins but you need to have those talks sometimes with yourself yes what do i really need and how do i plan and if i can automate my savings and automate bill pay it'll make things much easier and quit wanting more we don't need more Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. That is really some fantastic advice. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. This was way fun. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm excited. Uh, it makes this, it feels so uplifting. You're like, I want to go and I want to learn a little bit more and get. Well, you know, we can all in. do it. It's not that hard. Everybody thinks it's monumental. Take one little part at a time. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. I love it. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. And I want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Rebecca Sounds Reveille. This has been so much fun because you can just feel the excitement and the enthusiasm about finances and all the different kind of plays that you can do with this to make it really work for you. And, and really, if you get your finances where you want them, you really can do a lot of things that will make you happier in other areas of your life. So head on over, DLB, gotta do it, Debbie Bloyd. You got to, you just got to. Thanks for tuning in. Share this with your friends, your family, everybody you know on social media and those you don't.